So tainted love, letting go of old ways of doing relationship. Oh, goody. (laughs) So we're continuing our series based on this book, Conscious Loving, which is a really, really fabulous book, even if the only relationship you have is the most important one, which is the one with yourself. Last week, Larry talked about our shadow aspect. In fact, he just put his shadow out here for all the world to see. (laughs) That shadow aspect, that which we typically hide from ourselves, from each other, and unfortunately also that from which we tend to do relationship. So you can see how that might not work out too well. And so it is about the shadow aspects of ourselves that we do not deal with. And so what ends up happening is then my shadow... Um, hangs out with your shadow, and uh, my shadow does relationship with your shadow, and so we have a bunch of shadowy relationships that um, none of us are taking part in. And so then we wonder why it doesn't work. And shadow relationships are codependent relationships. And codependency, codependent relationships are defined for our purposes here as an agreement between two people to stay in old patterns and not talk about it. The agreement's not talked about either. It just, it just, organic, it just organically unfolds. <laughs> and so, basically, it is about its relationships between shadows, which um, has the illusion sometimes of keeping us safe. Unfortunately, it also keeps us alone and usually sometimes scared about being who and what we are for fear that the other person isn't going to like it because we don't. And this week, I have the privilege of talking about what the Hendricks call the nine codependent traps. I don't think of them as traps, but we'll talk about that later. And they are talking about the traps that we engage in due to childhood wounds, due to things that we observed as children, due to how we interpreted events, or people, and what we believe then that relationships look like on some level. And then we bring that with us into every relationship now. Only we don't typically know that. And to make it even more interesting, the person that we're in relationship with ostensibly is doing the same thing. So then you have a bunch of shadows mixing it up all over the place. And so what happens is that then together and or separately, we set about repeating the patterns that we've been engaged in since childhood, which may be over and over and over again the same thing, or we might do just the opposite of what we learned as children, or we might be in relationship with our mom or our dad, or we might have a relationship like theirs, or we might do all of that all at once. And so I want to read you the first part, the first page in this chapter, The Nine Traps of Unconscious Loving, which is pretty much my favorite chapter in the whole book, favorite phrase in the whole book. When you first wake up, you may find that your current relationship is based primarily on your unconscious needs, structured around old patterns usually learned in childhood. We call these common relationship patterns the codependent traps, and we would like you to take a close look at them. 
Only by seeing the trap clearly can you find your way out of it. And as you read about these common patterns, do your best not to become discouraged. <laughs> okay. Sometimes people feel that they are hopelessly mired in these traps. When you finally realize that you've been acting out a pattern, you always have the option of feeling hopeless. But there is little payoff for feeling that way. Hopelessness comes about out of the perception of having no set of steps along which to proceed. In the program described in this book, you have very specific steps that will take you out of codependence and into co-commitment. So rather than feeling hopeless and discouraged, simply acknowledge that you're acting out an old pattern and begin to take steps to remedy it. Here's the bonus sentence. We found that it's possible to view the whole process as fun and interesting. <laughs> and I think that's possible. When you're mired, it doesn't necessarily feel that way. But So, ready? Okay. Trap number one. We let people get away with destructive behavior. Trap number two, closely related to trap number one. We get with those who get, let us get away with destructive behavior. Number three, our relationship looks just like that of our parents. Number four, we're dating our mother or our father or both. Trap number five, our relationships tend to be total opposite of our relationship of our parents. Trap number six, we repeat a childhood trauma over and over again in every relationship. Trap number seven, our relationships are either constant conflict and drama or we avoid conflict at any cost. Number eight, when the going gets good, we manage to screw it up. <laughs> and trap number nine, because we did not learn what independence means, we perpetuate dependent relationships. Well, that's exhausting. It's exhausting <laughs> reading it. And it's exhausting living it and most of us do to one degree or another for years and years and years. And we don't have to do that. There is a way out. And it's us. We can move from codependence to independence, and independence is the bridge by which we can set ourselves free from all this stuff so that we don't have to haul it around anymore and we don't have to continue to stuff it anymore and we don't have to be afraid all the time in relationship anymore and we don't have to wonder why in the world none of our relationships seem to work out. So I love Gay and Kathleen Hendricks' de definition of independence. They define it as the ability to stand alone and have close relationships. I love that. I think it's brilliant because that's not usually what we think of, and I don't anyway, hadn't thought of independence. To me, I always thought of independence as someone who didn't need anybody. They just stood alone. They didn't need anybody. That's not independence. 
according to this definition. Independence, to me, is about having a relationship with yourself. Learning to accept yourself, learning to love yourself, being willing to look at yourself. Because until we can have a relationship with ourselves, we cannot have a relationship with another human being. It's not going to work. Because they can't do that for us. Nobody can. And so I think, particularly this chapter, but this book is talking about freedom. It's talking about freedom, and that's the takeaway. It's not about figuring out um, which trap we're in so that we can be like the poster child for trap seven or something like that, and then that's it. We're done. Our work here is done. Awesome. I nailed it. That's not what it's about. It's about using them as signposts. Do these look familiar? Do they feel familiar? Do these patterns, do I know this? Have I now or ever done this? Am I doing this now? So it's a way to see where we are, and only by seeing where we are can we move. Can we get any place? And so it's about moving from unconscious to conscious which is what we talk about a lot in this philosophy called science of mind. And we do believe, Nancy said it earlier, um, change your thinking, change your life. Change your beliefs, change your life. And we can do that. We have the technology to do that. But first we have to be willing to look at what's there. We have to be able to go into the shadow. We have to be willing to do that, to do that work. And most of the time... This is childhood stuff. And if we don't know what our childhood stuff is, we can trace it backwards by looking at our life. Because what's out here is a reflection of what's in here, of what we believe, what we think. Ernest Holmes said that our relationships, Ernest Holmes is the founder of Science of Mind, he said that our relationships are an externalization of our thoughts and beliefs. <laughs> Great, huh? <laughs> like everything else. The cool thing is that these traps can tell us what those are. If we are willing to stop and look, they can show us, they can point the way for us. And so we can move from having unconscious loving, which is really, um, to my mind, a business transaction, to conscious loving. And I say business transaction because basically unconscious loving is, again, it's a form of collusion. It's, it's the uh, agreement that we make between an, you and another person that we won't talk about stuff, that I won't call you on your stuff, you won't call me on mine, um, you won't talk about the elephant in the room, and neither will I, that we'll both just not talk about it, that we'll agree that we're not going to see it. And that's a business transaction. You don't mention my stuff, I won't mention yours. You won't mention this isn't working, I won't say anything either. That's a business transaction. To me, that's, that's not love. And conscious loving is about telling the truth. It's not about fixing the other person. It's not about expecting the other person to change. It's not about the other person, again. Wish it was, but it's not. It always, it always comes back to us. It always comes back to us. I was telling my daughter, my youngest daughter the other day, that my observation was that she had been in relationship with the same guy for 15 years. 
it isn't the same physical guy, but it's the same guy up until the last year. Then it changed. So the Hendricks say that we will never be happy until we are free agents, and that means that we have to transcend our childhood experiences, our childhood traumas. Keeping in mind that what we are bringing with us is a child's interpretation of what may or may not have happened. Because as children, we always think that everything's all about us. And so we internalize an awful lot when we're kids. And with a child mind, we might make a mistake in interpreting events. But we don't know that. So we internalize all of that information. And so the purpose of these nine traps is not, like I said, again, to uh, label ourselves or say, oh, well, this is, this is what I'm doing. This is, this is who I am. This is what I am. This is how I do relationship. You can say this is how I do relationship up till now because once you know, you can change it. We can change it. And the thing is that contrary to what most of us believe, looking at it isn't going to make it worse. It might feel kind of crummy in the beginning, but we've spent a lot of time and a lot of energy stuffing this stuff down, the shadow. A lot of time putting that shadow in front of everything so that we are back here. And the problem with that is not only do we not have relationship, we don't really even have the lives that I believe that we're intended to live because we're not taking part in them. And so the shadow really can be, is really fertile ground. There's a lot of information there, a lot of information. But we have to be willing to look at it. And the first thing that we look at is patterns. And I had one. Okay, I had more than one, but... (laughs) When I was in my 40s and I started taking classes as what can happen when you start to open up and do work like that, um, your stuff starts to come up. And what I was observing was something I realized had been happening for a long time, which is whenever there was any kind of conflict or misunderstanding with a loved one, um, I would get this feeling of, at first I thought it was panic, um, but it was bigger than that. It was a, an emotional feeling that if you didn't, if you don't seem, if I feel unseen or unheard, or misunderstood, I would get this, this panicky feeling that was emotional and physical. And the only way I can describe it is that I f- it felt like survival. It felt like I was going to die, which, of course, I wasn't. And so it didn't make any sense. And at some point when I was in my 40s, my mother and I managed to transcend the whole mother-daughter thing to a pretty large degree. And she started to tell me things about her life, about uh, my life as a child, and specifically in this instance about my birth and about being an infant. And she shared with me that she was only 18 when she got married, 19 when she had me, and she was scared to death. And she didn't think she knew what she was doing. And here she had this little baby, and she didn't feel like she knew what to do with it. She and my father, who was only two years older, We're living with my very um, domineering grandfather and his mother. My mother felt them to be domineering. I remember them both, and they scared me. But I was only little, so. But anyway, so 
My grandfather, Roger, instructed my mother that it was very important not to spoil children, and therefore, when I cried, she was not to pick me up. So I'm an infant, and my bassinet is a dresser drawer, and she tells me that she remembers lying there crying because I was crying, and she did not pick me up. When you're an infant and nobody responds, you die. And that's what that stuff was. But I didn't know that until my mother told me. Now, you can imagine what my relationships were like given that. Given that. I could take one misunderstanding, one feeling, and run it all, I mean, just way out of proportion. And it was all because of that. And once I knew that, everything changed. Everything changed. And that is what this work is about. Being willing to notice, either in here or in relation, whatever, and being willing to look and investigate and find out what it's about. Because you know what? I think I'm like most people. I do like to be liked. I like people to like me, but if you don't like me, it's not going to kill me. It's not. I'm not going to die. I love my husband. We've been together for decades. I love him deeply. If something were to happen to him, if he were to decide to leave, I'm not saying I wouldn't be heartbroken, but I wouldn't die. And that makes all the difference. I mean, it makes all the difference. And that's what all this stuff, all this stuff um, is about, doing all this work. It's about being willing to explore what runs you. Because if you don't know what it is, it is running you. It runs us. And then we wonder why we do not feel happy much of the time, and we wonder why our relationships suck. The reason they suck is because we are not in them. Probably no one's in them. They're just two shadows on autopilot. The Hendricks say that you will never be happy in a dim dream world of unconscious entanglements. And so what is it that we're waiting for? Are we waiting for Prince or Princess Charming to come along and sweep us off our feet? Star sang a song earlier this morning about falling in love and about the other person allowing us to do that. And it's a lovely song. And this isn't about the other person. It's about us. This work is ours to do. And the beautiful, powerful thing about it is, as we continue to do this work, our relationships get better. They get better. And they can be fabulous. As long as we're willing to examine, as long as we're willing to tell the truth about what we are feeling, knowing that all the time that there is something that supports us in doing that. We often talk, use the phrase, it is God's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. I think the kingdom is love. I think that's why we're here. And it is my prayer for every single person in this congregation to have that experience, to be that experience of love. And know that you're fully supported in doing that that you're supposed to be here, that the truth of you is love. 
That is my prayer for you. Let us pray. And so in this moment of remembering, I know that there is only God, this infinite, perfect love, this eternal beingness, that is the truth of everything and everyone. It always has been, it always will be. Perfect love, perfect heart, perfect soul. It is that creator that everything emerges from and resides in and as. So that that one that I call God expresses itself fully as everyone. That means me, that means everyone in this room. All God, all literally the love that is God. And so I speak this word of willingness for and about every one of us here, affirming and knowing our willingness to somewhere, somewhen remember that we are love itself. And I affirm our willingness to do whatever it takes to remember that and bring it into our lives fully and completely. I affirm for each one of us willingness to use the courage that we have to transform our lives, literally, one step at a time, one remembering at a time, knowing that we're absolutely fully supported in doing this and remembering we are not creating, we are simply revealing what we have always been, which is love itself. And in gratitude for knowing this truth, I let it be. And so it is. Thank you.